in five, four, three, two. Initialize sequence now. The doctor is in. This is Randomosity, Toledo's only vinyl radio show. On air, online, anytime, on demand, at your fingertips. Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, Podbean, Audible on Amazon, and now Player FM. You can catch us each and every single Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Owens Community College Radio and find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Randomosity Podcast. We're going to get right into it here, taking you back to this past Saturday, Randomosity Live for Vinylthon 2023. We had KISS historian Jamie DeVette in, as well as Morgan Kaczynski from NBC24's What's Going On to discuss the classic KISS double LP Alive from 1975 as well as Sugar Vermont Toledo's favorite drag queen to uh, talk about and discuss different LGBT artists of the past during the Pride Hour. We're going to take you back to that right now. Getting things kicked off talking about the origins of how KISS Alive from 1975 came to be and uh, let's just uh, throw that tape in right now, shall we? Leading into this was an interesting time for not just Kiss, but for uh, Casablanca Records. It was still, for all intents and purposes, a young record label. They, brand new, yeah. It was, they, they didn't have a lot of money, if any, at times. Um, and uh, Kiss had already previously put out the self-titled album, Hotter Than Hell, um, and then Dressed to Kill. And that kind of brings us to this point, doesn't it? All in the span of 13 months did they put out three records. Casablanca Records was so desperate for a hit. They would pull them off tour, get them in the studio, get them to do another record, put them back on tour. Nope, that album didn't sell. Come back in, do it again. Mm-hmm. But what they found after three records, they found two things. One, we're broke. We put all our money into these three records, and now we don't have you know, any sales. But Kiss is killing it on the road, selling out. So, uh, some bands aren't even letting them open up because they're just so good. They're selling out everywhere. So Eddie Kramer, who had originally done their demo back before the first record, Mm -hmm. said, hey, Kiss is not a studio band. They are a live band. So let's put out a live record. And the uh, record company at first was like, well, that's kind of like a greatest hits record, and we don't have any of those. And so he was like, trust me, you put these guys live on an album, it's going to sell. Mm -hmm. And it did. And it was a multi-million dollar seller, sold uh, three million copies, I believe, before the next record came out. That, that's pretty incredible. I mean, really, when, when you think about the time period and really at a time when, for all intents and purposes, live albums, kind of like what you were saying, were not only like greatest hits records, but live albums, unless it was something like really special, typically didn't move a lot, did it? No, they didn't. And that was, everybody knew that Kiss was spectacular live. And so the friends would say, hey, remember what I was talking about? This band that sounds really, really crappy on your turntable? But I went to see them live. Here's what they really sound like. And that snowballed. And it was like social media for back then. And, and, Word and, of mouth is what that's called. Right. And, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a technical term. Right, exactly. I mean, that, and that's the thing. Like, you know, I, everybody in this room, I think with the exception of Roxy. No, I'm kidding. Um, everybody in this room came from a time before social media. You know, everything was either word of mouth or something maybe you would hear it on the radio or see it on MTV. But also keep in mind, too, 1975, MTV didn't exist. Exactly. It, was, it was all radio and record stores, and that was pretty much it. That was the only way you could get your music back then. Mm-hmm. And to, to drill, drive this point home about the, the studio kiss and the live kiss, the, the album previous to Alive was Dressed to Kill. Mm-hmm. They released Rock and Roll All Night as a single. It didn't even break the top 100. And if you listen to that song, it's really boring. It doesn't even have a guitar solo in it. They didn't really have money to hire a producer. It was basically an overblown demo. But when they released Alive and Rock and Roll Night as a single, it was a top 10 hit. It's the same song. It's got the same five chords. <laughs> right. The same lyrics. <laughs> right. The same yeah. melody. But it's just a different song. Mm-hmm. And plus, you put an Ace Freely solo in there, and that's all you need, really. I mean, Ace, Ace's, Ace's stuff was good. It, for the it time. Was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and after his car wreck. But well, then, yeah, oh. right. Yeah, right. Which which we just won't discuss. The excesses of rock and roll did pay its toll on on Mr. Freely. But he got the biggest ovation at the Hall of Fame. 
which was interesting. Yeah. And and I just kinda and like you could like look over and see Gene off to the side like oh. Yeah. <laughs> Gene was not the least bit happy about no, that. No. Gene uh, and I don't think much many things make Gene happy except well, for money. Right. Well yeah, that's about it. Money and money and uh can I put my face on this? Yes. You know what I mean exactly. Mr. The King of Licensing over there. Um Morgan, um, when we were on what's going on yesterday, we were discussing uh, different aspects and and so forth regarding how Kiss um, not only changed music but also uh, culture to a certain degree. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, definitely. And you know, just to kind of to Jamie's point, like what a gross overassumption for record producers or even distributors to assume that a listener wouldn't want to feel what it's like to be at a live concert. You know, you forget that with the advent of social media, there is access to so much. But when you're living in Iowa and there's one radio station and no venues, you never get a live music experience. So it seems like rocket, it's not rocket science that someone, you know, there's how many millions of Americans just in general that had never been to a live music event and then could relate to this and think, oh, I want to listen to this whole album. Also, this idea that people would want to listen just to very tidy, buttoned-up singles while they're at home on their record player seems a little archaic. But as you, as we talked about, too, one of the things that influenced me as a young child in the 80s and early 90s was how bold their fashion sense was. Mm. And what I didn't understand at the time was what I was attracted to and, quite frankly, aroused by was their androgyny and their ego, if you will, and ego in a Greek way, ego in a good way. They were so um, bold and confident that they could go out and wear these outfits that until then were really subsidized to being, you know, LGBTQ, if you were to say it at the time. Um, You know, like the village people, but they weren't. And what they found was that women or people that were just attracted to them went absolutely crazy because it was incredibly sexy. Makeup is sexy. Confidence is sexy. And then, you know, he, you know, Jamie said it perfectly. Like they are a better live band. And with the costumes, with the fashion, you know, they sort of broke down doors. They were allowing people, you know, it's not like Axel Rose woke up and said, I'm going to wear tight leather pants. <laughs> yeah, he saw right. that it was okay that Kiss did it. And when he put them on, oh, wow, shock and awe, all of a sudden, you know, I'm getting free into the strip club. So they really did. I don't think a lot of people probably put that together. I don't think Anna Wintour with Vogue mm-hmm. is saying that Kiss opened all these doors, but it's pretty obvious that they just did. No, you're you're absolutely right. And, you know, talking about, you know, the influence and, and so forth that Kiss put on people. Uh, interestingly enough, this morning when I got up and I was getting my coffee and getting moving on the morning and getting ready to come here, uh, I found this little documentary on uh, the first couple albums by Rat, and uh, they were showing uh, videos and concert performances of when Stephen Piercy was, would perform in the early 80s and it didn't register until i watched it this morning i'm like oh my god he was doing everything he could to copy paul stanley it was just like it was ridiculous yes. it really was I, to the point that uh, he really owes paul uh, royalty like it was like i'm like watching i'm going am, am i watching paul or am i watching steel like what, what am i watching here you know what I mean? It was crazy how much and it he influences copied. you in ways that you don't even realize because some of my early uh, re- recorded music sounded like Paul Stanley. Mm-hmm. And I never really knew that. And I didn't hear it, but everybody would tell me that. And it was just a subconscious thing after listening to the record so many times and so many times. You just start to get influenced in ways you don't even realize. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, interesting. Uh, I've, I've probably played this album, uh, I, obviously not nearly as many times as you have, um, but I've, I've, I've played it quite a few times leading into today so I could kind of, like, literally, I wouldn't know where everything was and, and just kind of take it all in. And, you know, the interesting thing I find about this album, talking about uh, Firehouse, is... It sounds so perfect at times, you know, and then there's other times where it's kind of like loose and, you know, wasn't it basically that they wanted to replicate that live sound that you would get when you went out and saw them? Pretty That's much? exactly. They wanted, they could have done two things. They could have made this just a single album with a bunch of live cuts on it. Mm-hmm. But that's where Eddie Kramer said, no, it has to be a double album. It has to be the full concert. It has to be like the intro to Cold Gin that we're going to listen to on side four where he talks. Mm -hmm. You know, no live records 
now do that. There's just a live cut. Well, there's really no live records anymore anyway. Right, but right. <clears throat> if you see a cut on uh, YouTube and it's just a song, it's just the song in front of an audience. You don't get that full effect. Mm-hmm. You can't sit with the speakers like I used to do uh, on both sides of me and close my eyes. And like you said, because I lived in the middle of Ohio and <laughs> there wasn't a venue around here. Right. And I would have been ostracized if I ever went to see Kiss. Oh, God. From the family. <clears throat> that was the way I would go and see Kiss, mm-hmm. was to just sit there and picture it in my mind. So they wanted this to be a concert experience. And that's what they did. You eventually, uh, not to break subject, but I guess we're staying on the same subject. You eventually did did go to see Kiss as you got older. Um, do you remember your first Kiss concert? I do. It was uh, Animal Eyes. Okay. And uh, Queensryche opened up, and they got booed off stage. Now, was this when uh, Kiss had? Yikes! <laughs> Yikes. Well, now, now that's interesting. Now that's interesting because I'm a Queensryche fan. Now, but I, I need to clarify: I'm a Queensryche fan up until about Promise Land. And then after Promised Land, I was done. I know a lot of people like here, here in the Now Frontier. Well, this I, was their very first record. Nobody knew who they were. They weren't yeah. Queensryche yet. They yeah. were just you know some guys from Seattle that they Kiss had been dragging on the road. And Jeff Tate really didn't have that rock star in the '80s look. And uh, somebody said he looked like Elvis, and that kind of shot around the stadium. Elvis. They started chanting Elvis. And oh, jeez. It was. In, I always felt so bad. That's terrible to get booed off stage like that. But bring on Kiss. You know, that's what I'm here for. Oh, sure. Right, right. <laughs> no, yeah. you're absolutely. I bad for any opener, really, that's coming on, because you're sort of biding your time, unless it was billed. And obviously, they weren't billed necessarily behind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's, I, well, I never got to see Kiss in their original form. Um, and I didn't go see them on the reunion tour, because uh, some things kept me from, from seeing that tour. But... Uh, I've always regretted not seeing the original foursome. Mm -hmm. That would have just been a spectacle. Now, they're on the end of the road tour right now, and there's been a lot of speculation coming up at the uh, final show whether or not the original uh, four are going to get back on stage and do one last song. Do you think it's going to happen? I don't think so. I don't think Ace is in a a place right now where he can put aside all the personal stuff Mm -hmm. because it's getting really, really acidic right now. Yeah. And... As much as I would love to, and I was very disappointed that they didn't set it aside at the Hall of Fame and at least go up and perform a couple of songs. Sure. But I don't see it happening. I see some of the other guys getting up. Bruce Kulick, maybe Vinnie Vincent gets up for a song. Uh, Peter Chris might get up, do a song. Peter is interesting because you don't hear nearly as much stuff shall we say about the issues with peter you hear it more about ace you know and and i and i i even saw a picture uh it was a few years back there was a charity event i want to say it was like 2018 2019 something like that and it was gene and peter and and they were laughing on stage like no time had passed you know but you don't see the same thing with ace no ace uh took a lot of things personally yeah and he's Come on, he's ace. He's going out. He's doing his club tours. He's doing his book signings. He's happy. Yeah, he doesn't need to do. He doesn't need all the bull that goes along with a kiss tour. Yeah, and and I mean, ace is ace is ace. I mean, he will forever be ace freely. You know, he's the lovable one. You know, he's like Shaggy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I, I was going to ask you briefly about um, when you went and saw them on the Animalized tour. Now, was this when they had Mark St. John? No, Mark had done the first two concerts of that tour, and then he got the arthritis syndrome in his hand, and Bruce Kulick stepped in and did the rest of the tour. And they eventually replaced Mark with Bruce? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mark wasn't a good fit, musically. You know, it's it's interesting you say that, because, and and I promise, Morgan, we will get to you here in a second. Hey, I'm taking the the journey with the viewer over here. I'm loving it. a few weeks back, I want to say it was uh, mid to latter part of March, uh, KISS, uh, this series they're doing called Off the Soundboard, they released um, different concerts at different points in time, different lineups, so forth. And the one they just released a few weeks ago was from that tour, and Mark St. John played on it. I had never heard Mark St. John live. I had just heard the album, you know? Yes. So I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to put this on and check it out. And I listened to the whole thing from start to finish. And it's funny you mentioned Mark St. John not being a good fit because I remember when I got done listening, I called my dad and I was like, Dad, you know, please understand, you know, Eric Carr sounded fantastic on there. And Gene and Paul, of course, Paul Paul said some stuff uh, that we, we, we can't repeat on the radio, shall we say. Um, but I was listening to Mark because I'd never heard him before. 
And he legitimately it was like he sounded like a fish out of water. He's a virtuoso. Yeah. He doesn't fit in with the four chord, you know, rock and roll, straight ahead rock and roll songs. And some of the work that he did on Animalize, they actually had to tone him down. They would have to say, no, do that, but do it slower. Mm-hmm. Because he likes to noodle up and down the fretboard. And that just, it's impressive, but it's just not Kiss. Right. Yeah, I mean, Kiss is very, um, I don't know, simple, if that's the correct word. But it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not, you're not breaking any new ground musically no. with Kiss. No, nobody's ever going to accuse Kiss of being some sort of virtuoso. Right. You know? They tried that and it failed with the Elder. Which, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Music from the Elder, for the record, it's not a terrible record. It's really not. It's not. It's it's actually good, but it got such a bad rap because literally you came out of everything they did leading up to that and they did this concept album and they tried to do something different. And it was actually a good record if you listen to it for its artistic value. Mm-hmm. But if you go into it thinking you're going to hear a traditional Kiss record, you're going to be highly disappointed. And it was. <laughs> it was disappointing for everybody to hear that record. And when I saw that the ad that they had on Facebook for the, uh, I think it was Poughkeepsie, New York, mm-hmm. it was the Mark St. John show, I had just commented in there very benignly. You know me on, on social yeah. media. I like to play by the rules and I like to, of course. to, to yes. not, you know, Offend. poke the bear. <laughs> yeah, right. All I said was, <clears throat> excuse me, all I said was, is any of the money from the sales of this going to Mark's family or to his children or, you know, foundation or is this just another money grab? <laughs> the bass player from Def Leppard loved most. Yeah. <laughs> he heart reacted to it. Before they took it down, I snapped a screenshot. It was one of my favorite things in the world because I don't think they got along on their tour. That, Def Leppard and Kiss. I, I can't I can't imagine. Yeah, Def Leppard. And it's actually funny. Um, as soon as you mentioned Def Leppard, the first thing that popped in my head was back at the uh, fairgrounds. Yes. Yes. There, there's a there's a story here, Morgan. Do you want to tell this story, Jamie? Not on the air. Not on the air. Look, <laughs> <laughs> well, anything to do with Def Leppard and those pants you were rocking in that photo, I can oh imagine. My God. Oh, it my. is probably some breaking news. <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> I'm lucky my truck was there the next day. <laughs> hey, it's rock and roll. It's the culture. You oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, I forgot where I was going with this now. Okay. Uh, so... <clears throat> Talking, we, we, we mentioned before uh, we started Side A, uh, around this time when this record blew up, and uh, it was followed with Destroyer, if I recall, yes. um, it was about this time that this thing came about where suddenly KISS had an acronym, and it was uh, Knights and Satan's Service. Yes, they and, were devil worshippers. Yes, of course, yes. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of it's, uh, it depends on what you heard for a long time before the internet came about. It was, you know, well, Gene spits blood and they do this and they sacrifice animals. I mean, it was everything under the sun. So kind of give us a little bit of a background, if you wouldn't mind. How did this come to be that all of a sudden Kiss became these devil worshippers? I think that it was a very, very brilliant move by the record company to put that out, that that's what that meant. And to say that if you played the albums backwards, that you could hear hidden messages because it'll ruin your record if you play it backwards, and then you got to go buy another one. Of course, a brilliant move by Neil Bogart and the record company was to put that out there and, and let all the the seventies Midwest Karens latch on to that and you know and pick it because nothing is like bad press. It's nothing. Oh, no, no I mean, such I thing as even bad Nancy press. Reagan was on was talking about them before she got hard on you know NWA. I mean, it was kind of before rap. You know, you it's. McCarthyism at its best, you know, people just saying like, oh, I don't want my children being exposed to something that doesn't fall into like this exact path where it really, if you dig way down deep, it's because they really didn't want a parent. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was, we're still in a culture where now we're, we're like these elevator parents, but it wasn't like that. Even in the early 70s, early 80s, we were still sort of left to our own, you know, devices. So if you were going so far conservative, you didn't want to have to get and really monitor what your children were listening to. So what's the easiest thing to do? Just say anything I don't know is bad. If it's not Anne Murray. And that's why I think disco had such a profound effect because, you know, we were talking in the break. We forget that, you know, the recession kind of began late 70s, early 80s, and not everybody had money to go to concerts to buy albums. So if it's if Kiss is released today in an economy like ours where we just have a little bit more, we're just spending money in a different way, how well would it have done? You know, it's just hard to really get a good gauge on that. But that is, I mean, Knights of the Satan. So I mean, I would have bought it just for that. 
Literally. Yes. <laughs> yes, and that, I think that's one of the brilliant moves by the record company was to put it out there. I don't think that uh, there's a, a mother or uh, who was it, uh, Al Gore's wife in the Tipper, in, in Tipper, Tipper. Gore in the 80s. We had to have the congressional hearings mm. oh where Dee Snyder looked at Al Gore and said, well, yeah, listen to the album before you let your kids listen to it. Because being a parent is hard, Mr. Gore. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Dee Snyder is, is telling you how to be a parent. You're probably not doing it right. Right. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. great. So if you, think, if you yeah. are really, really interested in what your kids are listening to, listen to it. Chances are you're probably going to like it. You sit there and you tap your feet to it. I don't like some of the things that my son listens to. Mm-hmm. It, hi, Shay. I don't like it. <laughs> no matter what it is, I'll ask what that young lady is so angry about, even if it's a male singer. Sure. Right. <laughs> right. But when he's not... <sighs> When he's not around and it comes on the radio, I don't turn it off because it's just music. Hey, uh, Sugar's here. Sugar's here. Sugar's here. Sugar's here. Okay. All right. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. So uh, hang on a second here because i got to lift this up. I don't want to ruin my record here. All right. Okay. So we're getting towards the end here. we got one more side to get through. Uh, and we were discussing this off air. And, and it's a fascinating story regarding the recording of this album. Uh, there are, uh, you know, some live songs on here, but not everything is live. No, they recorded it at three different uh, venues. I think Detroit, New York City, and I can't remember the other one. Maybe even those two aren't, aren't correct. I, I think it was the Agora, wasn't it? Maybe. Yeah. In Cleveland? Yeah. Yes, you're right. Yep. But even then, there were missed notes that they couldn't release that way. Gene forgets the lyrics to Let Me Go Rock and Roll almost every time he had to sing it. Um, so there were a couple of songs, and I don't, I was never able to figure out or find out what songs that they were, where they just recorded them at soundcheck and then mix the crowd noise in later. Mm. Is it a 100% live record? No. But nobody is putting out a 100% live record. There's always tweaks to it. Sure. And there's always going to be flat notes when you're singing, or, you know, ace is ace. He's not going to hit every one of his notes, right? So they would have to go in, and even if on the live cuts, they did a lot of overdubs. Right. But it doesn't take away from the overall product. It's still a masterpiece. It is. It's legitimately one of the best live albums ever made, if not the best live album ever made. I mean, This one and Frampton Comes Alive are my top two. They interchange depending on my my mood. Mm Mm-hmm. My dad was a big fan of Frampton Comes Alive. He he used to joke with me. He's like, "Man, when I was growing up, if you didn't have this album, man, it was just given to you." Yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah the government gave it to you at <laughs> a certain age. Yeah, like in the eighties, when I turned a certain age, they they gave me a copy of Thriller. Here, right. you know, Here you, you're, go. you know, yeah, this or is Sports your Sports by Huey Lewis. Right. Yeah. Back in Black. Those are the three records everybody had. I don't care who you were. Footloose was another one. Foot, yeah, oh, Footloose. We we totally. we've, we've we've got the. Um, jacket for the original Footloose soundtrack with Kevin Bacon up here in the um, studio and that's actually I used to have that record yeah everybody did when in the 80s Hello. yeah and there are certain records that everybody had in a certain age group mm. Kiss Alive everybody had this record and Destroyer and the ones that came after it because after the this record they realized that we can't let Kiss just go in there and record their music we have to have a band leader somebody in there that's going to be a drill sergeant mm-hmm. Bob Everson actually had a referee's whistle that he would blow to get everybody's attention hey let's focus let's get this record the best we can do let's just not record some music and hope it hits let's get that live element in here mm-hmm. and make it because this was the the benchmark this is what they wanted to reproduce in the studio and largely they they pulled that off so that was side four of kiss's uh, classic 1975 double lp alive and my yes, favorite side by the way side, side, side four, four side four my favorite side side one side four depends on my mood yeah you cannot beat the way they do cold gin it's just amazing I'm a big fan of that long version of 100,000 Years. Oh, yeah. That's just the, the the drum solo in that with Peter Chris is just off the chart. And this is what I'm talking about. With this record, it's a concert experience. Right. When they tried to repeat the trick with Alive 2, they only did songs on Alive 2 that were on the three records previous to that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a concert experience because you didn't get Deuce, you didn't get Strutter, you didn't get Firehouse. You know they played those songs at an Alive 2 show. Sure. But they didn't put those songs on it because they only wanted... That was a greatest hits 
that happened to be live. Mm. And that's the difference between those two records. And that's why this one is held in such high regard. And that one is kind of like an afterthought. Jamie, uh, Morgan, thank you so much for coming in today to My do pleasure. this. Thank really you for do appreciate Absolutely. We really do appreciate it. Stick around because after the break, we're going to take you back to Sugar Vermont and the Pride Hour. This is Randomosity, Toledo's only vinyl radio show. My name is Dr. J. Thomas. Don't you go anywhere. All right. You're listening to Randomosity with Dr. J. Thomas. And this is Toledo's only vinyl radio show. You know, when I first started this show, I never dreamed that it would become as big as what it has locally. It's been an incredible blessing. And one of those things that I've been able to be blessed with is to have great people to bounce ideas off of. One of those people is Toledo's very own drag queen, Sugar Vermont. So when the time came to put together the Pride Hour for Randomosity Live for Vinylthon 2023, there was nobody else I wanted to have co-host this segment with me than Sugar Vermont. And wouldn't you know it, somebody else came into the picture by the name of Roxy Lynn. So we're going to take you back to this past Saturday for Randomosity Live for Vinylthon 2023. And uh, hope you enjoy this. All right. Freddie Mercury. Yes. Um, incredibly influential in the world of rock and roll and and really culture. I mean, Freddie, there's a commercial that's airing right now, and I think it's for Amazon, where the girl's sitting in her bedroom and she sees the Freddie Mercury bobblehead mm. and she goes and buys the jacket that Freddie used to wear oh. on stage and she like starts dancing in class with it. It's so amazing. Yeah, Freddie was a huge, huge and, influence. And influential today. I mean, Lady Gaga got her name from the song Radio Gaga. Mm-hmm. Um, it's everybody gets inspiration. Wade Mercury, he is a male stripper here in Toledo, and he came, he got it for Freddie Mercury too. Did you hear that male stripper coming in town? Okay, I'm just saying <laughs> Freddie Mercury would be inspiring people, honey. Freddie Mercury, man, it, that that's a thing. Like Freddie was so so big, so and, talented. That voice. Did you ever hear the uh, opera album he did? No. It's fantastic. I will literally have to look that up. That yeah. sounds like so much fun. It is. It's very, very good. I mean, if you are a fan of his voice and how he projects, it's like you can just put it on and go, oh my God. I lo- and I love the intersection of like pop and opera. I have a whole playlist and some. I like put the playlist, it's um, uh, classical orchestral re-recordings of pop songs. So mm-hmm. it'll be like Lady Gaga, but like instrumental with an orchestra. Right. Beautiful. That love would it. be beautiful. Yes. You know, well, you know, secretly love. Yeah. And by the way, before we go any further, for our online audience, you're listening to the best of Toledo 2022. <laughs> I've been waiting for that all day. I know. Uh, yes, with best of Toledo, Sugar Vermont. Sugar Vermont. Hi. Maybe she's born with it, and you'll be seeing Maybe her. She's born cheese. with it. Don't yes. get me sued by Maybelline. I got no money. <laughs> she and that's actually no joke because she just bought a brand new food truck. She right. is broke. I, I literally don't have any money. I just put it all in a new food truck. Exactly. <laughs> I am so excited. Like I will be one of your first customers in a uh, new truck. A couple weeks, thirty days or less is my goal. Be on the road, slinging right. cheese, baby. You were making forty pounds of mac and cheese, and I got to be honest with you, this woman right here is a mac and cheese connoisseur. So yes. as, as soon as you're ready, call her. She will come out. Oh, absolutely. I love, listen, I'm on a diet, so like, don't tell people I'm cheating on it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. it'll be, it'll be, I'll be a sneaky link for that melted cheese girl. Yeah. Yes. Here, eat this. Yeah. yeah, see, there you go. You just tell me it's carb-free and All right, girl, I'll lie right to your face. Uh. <laughs> I'll eat it either way. Yes. Talking about you not only having the food truck, but you're also, I, I guess, a drag artist. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, you've traveled all over the country performing literally everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't always like that. You, you had to start somewhere. So if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about what uh, made you want to do all that and how all that came to be. Okay, well, this is thank you for that question because it's going to tie perfectly into the artist I'm going to talk most about. <laughs> I started performing drag at five years old. I put my dog's tennis shoes in my shirt. I slapped on a pink checkered hand-me-down apron from my mother, and I performed uh, Dolly Parton's cassette tape to the neighborhood's uh, children. <laughs> That's how gay I was. So here's the Dolly album for those watching online. Rhinestones and diamonds, baby. Oh, love it. So that that was my first foray into drag. Five years old, my dog's tennis balls on my T-shirt, a towel wrapped on my head, and baby, I couldn't stop me from there. <laughs> now, this has fascinated me because when I pitched this to you and you talked about, you know, oh my God, are we going to talk about Dolly? Yeah. I looked into this, like, Dolly is like a legend. She is the legend, yes. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's not just country music, but mm. it's in the world of drag. Like, a lot of people look at her as like, oh, Oh my God, I want to be just like this Yeah, woman. and from ac- across genres, from country to... She was the original pop country crossover. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, nine to five was number one on all the all the billboards or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, but she inspired so many people, and she's been slinging hits since the fifties and sixties. She- I mean, she is an over the top personality, but she is so authentically herself mm-hmm. that uh, I personally was so drawn to her. Always I- have been. I actually, she has this book club, and I uh, am subscribed to it, and Leia gets books every single month. Yes, the Dolly Parton Imagination Station Library. Actually, more than 50% of the kids in Lucas County are signed up for the free books from Dolly Parton. Y'all, if you are listening to this, if this reaches you, you can get free books from Dolly Parton for your kids every single month from the Dolly Parton Imagination Station book program. It is amazing. She's amazing. And it's very easy to sign up, too. I think it took me like two minutes. She is. She, Dolly Parton is America's patron saint. This woman does <laughs> nothing wrong. Uh, we are having a good old time here. Randomosity Live for Vinyl Thon 2022, or 2023, rather. Wow. That's the second time I've done that today. <laughs> um, before we go any further here, I want to give props to the people at Allied Record Exchange for helping out with today's program. Uh, over there at 710 South Reynolds Avenue in Toledo and 3254, or 3253, rather, Navarre Avenue in uh, Oregon, Sweet B. I have been shopping there for close to 10 years of my life, even shopping there before I even moved here. And it's a fantastic place to go. Uh, they were packed today. I swung through there uh, for Record Store Day to pick up a title that they sold out of. <laughs> I was a little... I, was I feel a, like he's going to be sad about that all he's day. He's going to be salty. We are going to be at dinner tonight, and I'm going to be going, they sold out of that Eric Carr record. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, like, I'll make it better later. It's okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She'll be making it better by falling asleep. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love you too. Uh, All right. So <laughs> this is turning into a fun. Oh, it's fun anyways. But uh, we, we were talking before the break about um, how you got started in the business and yeah. or I guess in the, the world of drag and so forth. And, um, you know, some of the most famous people, uh, people like RuPaul, Divine, etc. Um, the success of the drag race, you know, brought the drag community out into a huge positive spotlight, which, quite frankly, was long overdue. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, do you think there have been some negative aspects that wasn't anticipated that have come about because of that? Um, well, that's an interesting question. I mean, obviously, right now we have the culture wars where you have one side trying to demonize drag queens and make that a big deal. Right. I don't know um, if that's a necessarily a direct correlation to RuPaul's Drag Race, although um, I guess you could say that RuPaul's Drag Race normalized it enough to make it scary to those people. So I guess in that way, uh, maybe. But I mean, I, I really think that all of this drag queen backlash and nonsense and trying to legislate against it is blowing back in a really fun way. I, I don't think I, I don't think most people walking down the street really care. Right. I think it's the politicians who are really latching on in one of the last gasps of the culture war. Like, oh God, how can we divide people so they will fight with each other instead of asking for health care? Let's get the drag queens. Oh my! It's, it's like it's literally almost as if they can't let the Reagan thing go. Uh, yeah. You know what? I just I don't know. God bless, but I. Whatever, whatever you want to do as a politician, do it. I would just ask instead of picking on drag queens who ain't doing nothing but yeah. shaking their tatas to Dolly Parton, perhaps fix the economy, <laughs> perhaps right. get me some health care. Call me crazy. God perhaps forbid. Stop a war, but. Yeah. Yeah, legislate against drag queens. That'll be fun for everyone. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, it's just, I, I don't get it. It's like, look, if it's you... It's nonsensical. It's a distraction. Yeah. It's a classic <laughs> divide and conquer tactic. <laughs> and I, I don't think it's working. I mean, some people, of course, latch on and yeah. with their last, oh, who am I better than? Drag queens, that's all. I'm down to drag queens. Well, all right. Feel better than the drag queens if that's what you need to get through the day but at some point people are going to realize what a farce this all is drag as an entertainment form has been around since entertainment has been around you're absolutely and we're not hundreds of years thousands of years yeah. since there has been entertainment there's been drag queens so y'all can get right over it 15 minutes 15 minutes all right so i guess uh well let's see where do you want to go from here do you want to do bet midler or do bet you want to midler yes please bet midler, okay. yes i love me some bet that was also gosh i remember seeing bet midler on the rosie o'donnell show growing up and she had that song i'm beautiful damn it oh yeah. that spoke to my young gay homosexual soul so much <laughs> <laughs> and it's so interesting because i'm talking about you know watching her on rosie o'donnell but like rosie o'donnell could not be out of the closet while the rosie o'donnell show was on that is true and a couple of years before that i mean i grew up watching tv in a time where you could literally literally you could not be gay on tv 
and this is not long ago, this is 30 years ago, Ellen got fired for being the first open lesbian mm-hmm. on television, and she was fired for it. Yeah. And here I am on Facebook Live streaming and on your radio show and 103.3 every morning, and I just did NBC, and I did the great food truck race. <laughs> and I, And it's so interesting and so cool how fast the culture has moved and changed towards acceptance because we have went from you can't be gay on TV to Sugar Vermont slinging mac and cheese (laughs) in like 25 quick years honey (laughs) and and winning awards by the way yeah it's it's really cool to think about you were saying something Roxy oh I was saying how amazing it is just how much that was very grammatically incorrect. No, I. <laughs> it's just, like an exponential growth and acceptance. It's not yeah. like you would never think. And for so long, for for forever, mm. it was a, a taboo. But yeah. anymore, you know, love and acceptance. What once you start loving somebody and they tell you who they actually are, it's really hard to start hating that kind of people anymore. Was, oh, period. And I just love love in general. I don't care who you love. I love love. I love it. Although I, I love it. Technically, I will say like I love like Toledo loves love. It's all amazing. But I'm like I'm a little apathetic towards love. Actually, I'm about that single life. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, single Pringle. Yeah, ooh, that a single Pringle. She sounds crunchy. Single Pringle. <laughs> single Pringle with barbecue. And there you ah. go. <laughs> Good time. Spicy barbecue. Spicy, spicy barbecue. <laughs> yeah, that's there's kind of a running joke there with the spicy barbecue. It's, that goes back to when we were first dating. Yeah. Um, we're actually we just got the notification that we're we're kind of running short on time here, so we're gonna get one more track in. Actually, we're gonna get two, but we're gonna play a song here. We've been talking about playing for a while, and uh, I sent this to you the other day, and literally you were like, "Oh my god, I've never heard this, but I love the it. Bette Midler." Yes. Oh my, I literally it is now on my like official sugar getting ready playlist. I'm like, yeah, I feel like taking somebody's man. Mm. Oh yeah. So this is actually this is off of her second record, uh, released in '73. Um, and this was originally a blues song covered by, or not covered, uh, a blues song recorded by Albert King and Bette Midler covered it and like made it her own. I love it. And she's got that, bro- that is a sassy broad right there. She started, I mean, speaking of gay being taboo, she started in the 60s and 70s in the bathhouses of New York City mm-hmm. where where the gays were doing their gay b- stuff. <laughs> <laughs> can we literally, say that on air? You can say gay b- stuff, I checked. Um, but she was, literally, she was literally <laughs> working the bathhouse circuit just yeah. like if you if you guys saw American Horror Story last um, this past season it was New York City and it was in that time and mm-hmm. Patti Lapone was in it in a role kind of inspired by Bette Midler because Bette Midler is the OG not oh I almost said an old term it's a, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it rhymes with rag hag but she's yeah. the OG one honey yes. <laughs> yes, <she is. laughs> oh my goodness alright so we're gonna play this song here and then we'll be back to wrap up and we're going to uh, close with uh, kind of an important song to uh, I guess uh not just the LGBT world, but disco and, and pretty much a lot of people in general. And it's a kind of an anthem, so to speak. But before then, we got Bette Midler here. This is called Breaking Up Somebody's Home on Randomosity Live, Toledo's only vinyl radio show. <laughs>
Animosity Live, Toledo's only final radio show on Owens Community College Radio. We're having a party here in the studio with it's a Sugar whole party, honey. with Roxy Lynn uh, playing Bette Midler there. I'm so excited that I turned you on to Bette Midler, or not not not, not to, to Bette Midler, but, but to this song. That song, yeah. it's, it's got a, like this jazzy vibe, and it's like I feel like breaking up somebody's home. And sometimes you just feel like that, baby. I'm, mm. I've, I've, I figure one of these times I'm going to go to one of your shows, and it's going to show up in your set list. <laughs> it, for I'm sure. sure. Well, for sure, I'm gonna feel real zesty one night. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like breaking up somebody's home. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks oh, to Jay Thomas. <laughs> right. Thank you so much. And then I'll and then I'll get a phone call. Jay, did you do this? Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. We actually uh, the we were just talking off air. And if you're following us on Facebook at facebook.com randomosity or facebook.com forward slash rather randomosity podcast, you know we uh, ran over on the kiss segment. Otherwise, we would be spending a little more time, but we got the notification. We got to be off the air at six. So um, thank you to Sugar Vermont for coming in. I really do appreciate it. I absolutely. wish we could have had you longer. But it's fine. I've had so much fun. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. And thank you, Roxy Lynn, for coming in. I appreciate it. And thank you for helping me out. And of course, I will see you at home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there. Well, hopefully, it's it's your house. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, man. Randomosity. Uh, Toledo's only vinyl radio show is a production of randomosity podcast llc copyright 2022 2023 no portion of this program may be rebroadcast retransmitted or reproduced without the express re express express written consent there we go spit it out except for the parts with me which i do not consent for <laughs> yeah. because i like attention exactly <laughs> <laughs> randomosity podcast <Not> llc <laughs> Oh my God! Copyright twenty twenty two twenty twenty three. This poor man ain't gonna be able to talk. Uh, it's, it's probably a good thing we uh, got to wrap it up thing because I'm getting to that point in life. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna close with a uh, disco favorite here and an anthem for a lot of different people. And this was a song that came to be during the disco era. And talking about disco, you know, we talked about this off air that the whole idea behind it started in basically the gay clubs and mm-hmm. it went mainstream, mm-hmm. right? The gay clubs and sometimes even the bathhouses, like with Bette Midler. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the gays got a good lock on this culture, honey. Don't come for us. <laughs> <laughs> so stop banning drag shows. Okay. Right. Please. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. All right, everybody. So this is Gloria Gaynor, and uh, I will survive. Thank you so much for joining us on Randomosity Live for Vinylthon. 2023. There, I finally got it right. All right, everybody. Till next time. Thank you so much for joining us. And the doctor has left the office. See you later.
is Dr. Jay Thomas, and this has been the Randomosity Live recap from Vinylthon 2023. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. You're listening to Randomosity with Dr. Jay Thomas, and this is Toledo's only vinyl radio show.